These are hard times in our world at home and abroad, aren't they? It seems that um, cruelty and and even violence are just, just spreading everywhere. And on the surface of it, at least, this gospel reading provides absolutely no comfort or help whatsoever. In this reading, um, the background has to do with the Samaritans. So just a little bit of history to give some context before we get to the real power of this reading or the difficulty of this reading. Remember, the the, the Samaritans um, are based in Samaria. They come from many different nationalities because the, the Assyrians, when they had taken over that part of Israel, had had brought in a lot of different nationalities. So you have here, whenever you have something about the Samaritans, you have something about different nationalities, difference. The Samaritans also, Jewish Samaritans have differences in terms of worship as well that's significant compared to other Jews based in Jerusalem. So all that's in the background here. So that when James and John and Jesus and the others are passing through um, Samaria, And the Samaritans don't welcome Jesus because Jesus had set his face to Jerusalem. This angers James and John. And they ask what is one of just the worst questions in all the Gospels, which is, do you want, Lord, should we just send down fire upon the Samaritans? And thankfully, our Lord does not want that. That would have been bad news for the Samaritans and certainly bad news for all of us today. Now, just to pause just for a moment, let's observe something before going more deeply in this gospel reading. Let's observe something about the apostles. Um, One of the things that's remarkable about the gospels, and I'm not the first person to point this out, is the gospels, all four of them, preserve these stories about how ridiculous the apostles are. How, how just just mean-spirited and, and not understanding of Jesus and Jesus' teachings and his message and the whole point. They just consistently don't get it. But before we're just too hard on all of the, the, the disciples because of that, it is remarkable and a kind of gift to the church. The gospel writers don't edit all that stuff out. The point is that the church should be a humble church, a church that's always um, beginning again each morning. And it's also some type of good news for all of us because if James and John can, can do a better job tomorrow morning, so can we. And if our Lord didn't lose patience with them, they won't, he won't lose patience with us. So it's a kind of gift that the gospel readers keep Gospel writers keep telling these stories. Remember Peter, for example, about how many times they didn't get it. We can see a reflection of ourselves, perhaps, in these stories. But James and John, um, you know, ask if they could send down fire to wipe out these Samaritans who won't receive Jesus. And Jesus um, takes, as he always does, a different approach, you know, the way of love and kindness and ultimately of peace. This morning, when I got here in the parking lot, there was a group of Episcopalians dressed more colorfully than all of you. And it's um, the morning of the Gay Pride Parade in Denver. And a group of Episcopalians are going with our bishop, Kim Lucas, and the Methodist bishop, and the, and the Lutheran bishop, and they're all 
headed that way to the parade. We have here at the cathedral an evening service called the wilderness. It's wonderful. It's quite different from, from right one, 8 a.m. The music's different. The prayers are, are different. But, but it's a, a beautiful Episcopal liturgy. And for the month of June, the theme in the wilderness and the prayers and in the, the homilies has been Pride Month. And this whole question, wonderful question of, of inclusion of LGBTQ Christians in the Episcopal Church now for decades. And one of the things that Canon Broderick organized was he omitted the homilies actually and had four weeks or three weeks of testimony from Episcopalians who belong to the LGBTQ community to talk about, to tell their story about what that has been like, what this journey has been like. They've all been wonderful speakers. And one of the themes that has come up that will surprise none of you is um, the, the pain that many of these people experienced growing up in more fundamentalist or literalist churches, the pain they experienced, sometimes for decades before they finally came out and find a safe Christian community like the Episcopal Church and, and, and others. And the pain, in part, reminds me of James and John. There's this strand in the church that's just terrifying in which we can use parts of the Bible, proof texts, to justify our own political opinions and to be cruel to other Christians just because of some difference that we perceive as, as a kind of threat. And that's reminiscent of James and John. It's the worst of the church. And we're always praying to overcome that cruelty and violence, not just in the world, but in the church and even in our own selves, to find another way. Canon Broderick often says that Episcopalians take the Bible too seriously to take it literally. And that's a lovely and true line when it comes to any deep ethical question, just finding a few Bible verses here, scattered here and there, to solve our problems, will never quite do for Episcopalians. But we do take Scripture seriously. And so seriously that what we're looking for always is not just a few texts to, to justify our opinion, but rather what we're looking for always is the great arc of who God is throughout the Scriptures how the story as a whole speaks of who God is and God's nature, which is, we see ultimately in Jesus Christ, in his teachings, in his actions, his actions that are so different than James and John in this reading, we see a God of love, a God of peace. Which brings us to this reading from Galatians. <clears throat> If you think I'm jumping around a little bit, I feel like I have permission to do this because we're in the summer season and, and the readings aren't quite so sort of tight and focused the way they are, say, in Easter, when all of them sort of have to do with, with overcoming death. In the summer season, the season after Pentecost, the, the readings are sort of a just, just a jumble of different themes. This reading from Galatians, though, is... is really one of the most important and significant readings, I think, in the whole New Testament, because it's about the Holy Spirit. 
And it took me a little while to figure out why it's paired with this gospel reading, but I eventually did. It's paired with this gospel reading because it, too, is contrasting very different ways of being faithful or religious or spiritual. The works of the flesh, which you might call the James and John model of the church, and the fruit of the Spirit. And it's a stark difference, a stark choice. The works of the flesh are those that Mike read so well and dramatically in his abs uniform. The works of the flesh are licentiousness and fornication and anger and jealousy and the like, dissensions and factions and so forth. I remember once in my first parish, I was a curate I had just been ordained and I preached what I thought was just a really deep and precise sermon on this very epistle. And I talked all about the, the um, problem with dissensions in church. And I went on and on. And at the door, a very funny, young at heart Episcopalian said to me, he said, you know, that was a good sermon. You said a lot about dissensions. I get that. But I'm a lot more curious about sorcery. I wish you would say a bit more about that next time. So that's one of the works of the flesh. He said his great temptation was, was not jealousy or fornication, but was sorcery. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is the contrast. Joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and so forth. And as Mike read so dramatically, and it just leaps off the page, there is no law against such things. This is the way of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus. And what's so, one of the things that's so remarkable about this, this epistle and Paul's description of the Holy Spirit is the spirit here has very little to do with grand visions or dreams or prophecies. It's not dramatic at all. It's these ordinary virtues that we live day by day and breath by breath. It's the spirit empowering us each day to live peaceful and loving lives. I find great hope and comfort in that. A lot more hope and comfort than I do at the beginning of this gospel reading. This world, we are in, in, in just such, such hard times. And I know it puts so much pressure on us. Um, some of us carry what we're going through in, in heavier sorts of ways than others. I also know that we, we, we face just so many burdens. We want to, in, in the face of what we, we see, we want to, we want to, make a difference, and that adds a kind of heaviness, too, when we feel powerless, and I know some of you do, because I hear you tell me that. As we try to live Christ-like lives, as we try to do our best, as we must, I do want to share with you a distinction or, or, that, that I try to keep in mind for myself, and it's a distinction that I very, very often forget, and I have to be reminded all the time and the distinction is this, we have much to do, and it matters deeply. But for those of us who are trying to live Christ-like lives and to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, 
sometimes the way we do things, how we carry ourselves, matters as much and even more than what we accomplish. So the way we do it, live our lives, the style with which we live it, if we ourselves are being peaceful, if we ourselves are being joyful and hopeful and gentle, let us never forget that the way we accomplish what we accomplish matters as much as what we actually accomplish. The Spirit empowers us in this way. Or I'll leave you with this. I used to serve a lot <clears throat> as a chaplain at our Episcopal camp in the Diocese of Alabama, especially for senior, for high school camp. And inevitably, every summer, two people would fall in love and just be inseparable. Several people would actually fall in love at summer camp. And they would be inseparable, just all over one another at everything, meals all the way through chapel. And so I will say to you what we always said to them. Leave room for the Holy Spirit.